Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm Matt, your sunshiny host, Ray of Sunshine. And with me this week are my two fantastic elf companions. Uh, well, actually, I'm, I know Joe's I'm a elf. dwarf. I'm 100% a dwarf. <laughs> yeah, Joe's a dwarf and or a Pandaren sometimes. Sometimes he's a Pandaren if he wants to be. That's true. Uh, but we have Liz Harper. I know you play an elf. Uh, and uh, yeah, jo- yeah, yeah. Joe Perez, who plays I'm, dwarves slash, you know, Pandaren. Currently, but mostly I'm, shaman. Currently, I'm a Volpera. Oh yeah, that's right. Is that your hunter or your shaman? My shaman. My hunter is uh my hunter's an elf. My hunter will always be an elf. So that's going on. Uh it's been a week. Um I'm trying to think about how to do the the intro thing properly. Uh and I think we're just gonna go straight to it. Uh we found out we already knew that they were going to have the wow announcement um on the nineteenth of April, which is next Tuesday, as we record this. It's Tuesday, so it's one week from the day we record it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we now know when they're going to do it. We have like an actual schedule time thing for it. What time uh, is that? I, I forgot. 9 a.m. Pacific. Yes. So 10 a.m. my time, 11 a.m. Liz time, and I believe noon your time. Yep. So that'll that'll be when we find out what the next expansion is going to be and other stuff of and so forth. Um, I didn't. I, I positively put this in here. Yeah, there it is. Okay. Uh, the creation catalyst has just opened this week, right? Along with uh, the LFR's uh, Wing 4. Is, am I correct on that? Uh, LFR Wing 4 is next week. So next, next Tuesday, okay. LFR Wing 4 will go up. But uh, the creation catalyst is live today. If you're caught up on all of your Xerath Mortis story quests, uh, that is live and will let you upgrade any piece of Season 3 gear to a piece of tier gear. So... That's pretty great. I made a piece of tier gear this afternoon, and uh, do you have tier bonus now? Or uh, I already it? had I had a two piece bonus, so now I have a th- I, now I have three pieces. So you just need one more piece for a four. I piece need one bonus. more piece. Yeah. Uh, I know that on the fifteenth, which is like three days from now, we're going to get uh, Diablo three season twenty six yeah. on the day I predicted. Mm-hmm. Um, which is you good know, job. It, it, let's be upfront. It's there's only so many days it can be. It's not like I actually performed some kind of mystical feat. <laughs> just it's like just, it's got to be one of these days. Take the win, man. Just take no, the win. No yeah, wins will be yeah, taken. Yeah. I will find the, the hollows, dark cloud in every silver line. Again, ray of sunshine. That's me. Uh, but I do want to talk actually really fast though because I think this is really cool. Uh, today is the day for Hearthstone's voyage to the Sunken City, also known as Matt gets Liz to talk a lot and just listens. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Liz, tell us about Voyage to the Sunken City, please. Uh, so, yes, the new Hearthstone expansion went live today, and I am actually really, really excited for it. And a lot of that is because of the theme. This whole thing has this grand underwater thing. You're going down to the sunken city of Zanashari. Am I saying that right? Do I have the yes, right thing Zanishari, there? Yes, yep. Yes. So you're going down there, and all of the cards have this great underwater theme. There is a new mechanic called Dredge, which will pull up the bottom card of your deck. And there are lots of cards that say you play the card, and it will like uh, it will put another card at the bottom of your deck. So you play a card, and then you have another card sink to the bottom of the sea, the bottom of your deck. And it just has all of these cool thematic things that I think are great. And it's just, it's really fun. I think it captures this lighthearted nature of the Warcraft universe that Hearthstone is really good at. Um, yeah, one like thing I saw really fast, hmm, um, yeah. you, know, you, you know who Dave Greco is, right? I do not. I'm he's bad the, with names. And he's people. the new art guy that they hired. Uh -huh. uh, for World of Warcraft, but he also did a card for Hearthstone. I guess he did um, uh, what's it called? Uh, sea Dryad Lunara. Okay. Which is available in the Tavern Pass. And I'm looking at the art he did for it. And it's really, it, it has tremendous Disney vibes. It's a really beautiful card. Yeah, there's just the art is great and it's fun and it's colorful and it just has such, it has this great underwater sea theme that I think is it's just really fun. I, I like Hearthstone when it's lighthearted and fun. And uh, the last expansion was um, kind of Alterac Valley themed, which is, there was nothing wrong with it. It's just, you know, in Warcraft, I'm kind of tired of the Alliance versus Horde thing. And I looked at this big theme that was Alliance versus Horde, and I just, you know, I, I felt tired immediately. So I wasn't super invested in the last one, but I'm just really excited to see how this one plays out. Uh, it's just it's just really fun. It's a fun theme. There are sea monsters you can summon, these giant colossal minions. Um, so I'm just, I'm looking forward to it. Like there is, there's one card. I don't know if it's a good card, but it's called Flipper Friends. And it will play and you can choose to summon a 6-6 six, six Orca where you can summon six 1-1 one, one Otters. And it just, it, it has this art of like an orca swimming with a bunch of otters. And I just, I love this. I love everything about this expansion. The cards are great. And it's just, it's fun. It's fun. It's a fun look at kind of this underwater thing. It takes this theme throughout every card. And it's just, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. If I had known about this just three days ago, uh -huh. your, your D&D game would have gone very differently. <laughs> Uh, yeah, under underwater level. Suddenly, there's orcas and, and otters and a team. <laughs> you don't know why it's happening. No one knows why it's happening, but it is. It is happening. I mean, you or, you met the weird uh, the weird half orc otters that existed in my world at one point. I'm gonna have to make an otter an otter the size of an orca. So yeah, do yeah. you want the orca sized otter or the otter sized orca? Only if there's a lot of there's, those otter sized yeah. orca. Although there's, that's really just small dolphins at that point. Uh, there's also a card small I forgot. Fins. It's it, there's a card, I forget what it's called, but it's about shrinking things. And it's like, it, it shows a picture of like a tiny, tiny orca and a giant clownfish. Like, I think it switches stats on a menu or something. It's just the art is so much fun. Life is, life is chaotic and difficult. I enjoy things that are just lighthearted and fun for the sake of being fun. Yeah, I think this is one of the reasons why I always never got why people were so upset about Whimsydale with Slash Whimsyshire. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know what? 
yes, it's it's weird and bizarre, but it's none of the the, the secret cow level was never meant to be taken seriously, and, and it's it looks bright and colorful, and it's 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 a chaotic juxtaposition. It's great. I I was always fond of it. So, yeah. But okay, we've we've talked about this, and that's cool. Anything else you want to talk about it before we move on? Uh no, just uh, it's out today. Go play. Have fun. Uh, Liz posted a link to uh, an article that's on our site um, that I wanted to talk about because it's something we've talked about before, but it's it's always worth mentioning again. Uh, we have a, a list now of what the various guilds that were tackling Mythic uh, Sepulchre, the first ones, spent, mm-hmm. and and it was a lot. Um, the the number one guild, the, the 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 number one spending guild was a guild like Jiantang Hong. I don't know how to pronounce that. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Um, they spent 1.1 billion gold on, on the, the race mythic and on the mythic race. Uh, team liquid spent 723 million gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, Echo who actually won it spent 694 million gold. Uh, SK pieces spent 679 million gold. Uh, methods spent 480 million gold and BDGG spent 293 million gold. And, and I'm, I'm like, there's this slightly more in some cases, but I'm, I'm rounding. Um, as Corey, Corey, you know, if you're here in, in the chat, if you're in the chat, Corey, hi. Um, Corey posted in his article that you know if you do the math on how much real world money that is, it will hurt you. And I agree because uh, I did it, and it did hurt me uh, quite a bit. Yeah. It's just it isn't like, and the thing is, is as he points out, they're not paying to win because uh, the guild that that one at all spent less than the guild that came in fifth or sixth, mm-hmm. well, you know? And the, the other thing is they're not, they're not actually buying these with wow tokens. They're not, you know, buying no, 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 wow no. tokens. They farm because, this stuff up. Yeah. They farm it out. And, uh, then they it, spend, they pay for car. People pay them for carries and stuff later. Yeah. Know? Yeah. You, they take out like loans for gold to have enough for world first. And then, yeah, they pay it back over, I suppose the, the raid tier. And it's just, it, wow, this is just—I can't even conceive of this much gold. The thing is, it's like this is going to sound maybe a bit weird, but it's not surprising because like raiding is expensive; it always has been. And like I know Matt at one point was was super competitive. Um, I was in a, a guild that was pushing server first way back in the day before world first races were ever a thing. Yeah, same, same. It, in in you as well like it's it's one of those things where like if you were to take all of the gold that we spent now and like convert it with inflation uh to what like the current rates of things are like the gold economy is completely different but i wouldn't be surprised if we're somewhere close to some of these ridiculously high numbers i'll tell you right now isn't even the gold cost that people don't even think about it's the time it's the time it's the the time you have to spend that they're spending money to avoid that time they're spending gold so they don't have to spend the time because they don't have it. It's a world first race. They're trying to, to kill these bosses first. One of the things he points out is that they have they spent like like 10 million gold just on people trading the tier chests, getting people to trade the tier chests to them, you know, for the chest and shoulders from Rigalon and mm-hmm. the Lords of Dread, because they couldn't even get that the first week because it wasn't open. So that's why they did the mythic splits the first day that mythic came on the reason they went and did them all is because that's the first time that rigalon and lords of dread were available in normal and heroic so that's the first time you could get the shoulders Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So and it, they just did an obscene number of these splits. I yeah. mean, and they had here. to bring friends. They had to bring like they had feeder guilds going with them, and they're paying those guilds for that privilege. It's like, yeah, you get to have all this other gear. We're taking the tier. And, and that's something you have to spend gold on. And it's it's to cut down on time. Consumables, you spend gold on them to cut down on the time. Because you don't have the time in yeah, a mythic race to do all that. And that's what I was gonna say, because like back in back in uh, like in the realm of like normal rating, like I'm just thinking back to like pushing Naxxramas and when it was Naxxramas 1.0, pushing even Blackwing Lair, like the amount of time we spent farming, the amount of hours yeah. that a large group of people like for, like 40 people was the raid group, but it was like 60 people because we had support players that didn't raid that all they wanted to do was PVP and or farm that would like contribute to that cause. Like just calculating the hours. It is insane. Well, like, I mean, yeah, you're talking about that. I remember there was like one Druid who had like six Druid alts. Yeah. And all those alts did was run around Fellwood gathering the materials there was like a tuber or something in fellwood that you could use as like an extra healing yeah the potion. uh the the tuber root i forgot what it was but yeah it was an extra healing uh, potion that was yeah. not on the cooldown just spent all their time gathering those things and then switching to another character and gathering them again and just and would would go over fellwood like a sieve just constantly you know farming those because we were doing, uh, I think it was Twin Emps when Twin Emps were current. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were pushing Twin Emps and Warlocks had to tank one of them. Yep. The one that would switch <laughs> off the caster. So the Warlocks would just be pounding those things at health stones. Because this, I think it was, I think it was BC where they put uh, health stones and healing potions on the same cooldown. And like towards the like middle to end of BC too, like because before then yeah. we were still farming tubers up through, I want to say ssc maybe i don't remember i just remember like we would have them on twin amps and the the warlock would be like health pot healing potion tuber by the time tuber got used health pot would be off the cooldown because you back then they didn't have the thing where you once you used it it was done so well, you could actually hmm? go ahead I, it, uh, you know what it's been so long that i haven't paid attention but like it locks you out now even though it has a five minute timer doesn't it now yeah it does it locks you out once you use a health potion you're done yeah, you don't get another one. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it was. I remember like all these things. Like the other thing we would do is like get various resistance potions, mm-hmm. and you would like you would have one guy who was just his job was to g- gather the materials. That another player's job was to make the potions, and there was there's a mat and all of that is stuff that these guilds don't have time to do because they have to get it all done within like a two week burst. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. this is this tier in particular. I remember Liz. This was you pointing this one out this one went long yeah this was over three weeks and because it went long a lot of people had taken time off work to do this they they, and they were playing for like all day every day it was like i think it was was it sk pieces or was it team liquid that just stopped liquid yeah Yeah, they just they called it yeah and they it's because they were like this was what they were doing for like 14 hours of a day every day at least 14 hours like on the low end yeah, that's just me guessing. I honestly don't yeah. know. I just know that they were barely like, sleeping, just pounding on this this raid for three weeks. They would start kind of mid-late morning, and uh, then they would go until midnight, mm. or 1 a.m., or 2 a.m. If they were on a real roll, they would go, you know, past midnight. Yeah, so, and, and all of this gold day. Yeah, all of this gold is basically replacing that time. 
And the, the time that other like guilds that will still clear it on Mythic, they're just not going to do it in the first couple of weeks because they're not going to spend, you know, seven hundred million gold to shorten the process. They're going to just do it as they get to it. And and the interesting thing about that is, is like just looking at how the economy has changed because with the the way that just everything works now with all the tools in game, the way that the auction house works, the way that. Uh, crafting professions work and consumables just in general work it's fascinating to see like how that shifted and maybe that's only me but i always i always like looking at that and be like okay well you know one billion gold seems like a lot but ultimately you're like you're saying it's it's that time investment but the economy is there that you can actually replace the time with gold mm-hmm. versus I mean, how it used to be Another thing Corey says here in the article uh, is he talks about the other things they're spending money on, like legendary items in the age, uh, the, the you know the, the token and so forth, mm-hmm. repair bills, other consumables, feasts and flasks sort of stuff, anything bind on equip that's in the age they were grabbing, and PvP boosting. And he's like, why PvP boosting? Uh, I'm going to directly quote him here. It me- it meant that guilds would have more high items available to their weekly vaults. Mm, yeah. So you're spending gold to get PvP boosted. Because you want to have better stuff in your vault. Mm-hmm. It's just that simple. Oh, we were talking about this yesterday, too. That's the other thing that I think is fascinating is like they figured out the mathematical percentage uh, on how many bosses you have to kill and which bosses specifically to trigger better chances at getting uh, tier loot in your chest. And we were just talking about that last night, I think, Liz, right? Like in, while we were rating. And it was interesting that like there is an actual Spoiler mathematical alert. equation. I was not here for last night's raid. Oh, that's right. Crud. <laughs> Time is wibbly wobbly, folks. I'm sorry. Wow. Wow. I can see how much of an impact I made in the raid guild that just I Actually, didn't show up and no one noticed. You should think of it this way. You just live rent free in Joe's head. You so do. he constantly thinks you're there. I do. Uh but wow, I'm sorry. Uh but yeah, we were just talking about it. Like I guess there is a there is a percentage that like based off of what it is, and if you kill tier bosses it increases it and then pushing a certain level of M plus on top of it uh, gives you, I think it's like a 13% chance or something like that to get to pull tier. Um, and then it's like a 12% chance or 11% chance or something to pull like multiple pieces of tier. It's, it's interesting. So I'm, I'm wondering if some of their runs and splits were to maximize that as well. Yeah. But I think at this point, we're going to move on to talk about something else really fast. Uh, we have an article on the site about patch 2.9.2.5 and Shadowlands Season 4. And it's basically, you know, uh, Andrew wrote a good post that basically just kind of rounds up what we do and don't know. Uh, which, there's a lot we don't know. Uh, but we do know that they're going to do uh, the Mythic Plus and, and PvP Season 4 stuff for 9.2.5 is, is really interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's going to be, like, various... The the, the um I, I never know what to call them. I guess mega dungeons is what we're calling them. That since yeah. since Legion yeah. is what we call them. Yeah, mega the dungeons various mega right. dungeons are all coming back to the Mythic Plus in uh, season four. Uh, we're going to get Return to Karazhan, Lower and Upper. We're going to have Operation Mechagon, the junkyard and workshop areas, and we're going to have Tazavesh's Streets of Wonder and uh, the Soleas Gambit are all going to be part of the rotation. You will be able to to run those dungeons. Obviously, we we could have expected Tazavesh anyway. Um, that, that was one that would likely have happened anyway. But Mechagon and Return to Karazhan, those are, we haven't had raid, we hadn't had dungeons come back to Mythic Plus outside of time walking before. And we had the Legion ones come back in time walking, but this is, 
just straight up, they'll always be there for the whole season. So that's cool. In addition, we're also getting Grim Rail Depot and Iron Docks uh, from from Warlords of Draenor. And there, we, we talked last week about the the fixes they're making to Grim Rail Depot uh, to, to make the motion sickness issue less cumbersome. You, you can basically turn off mm-hmm. uh, the, the landscape motion to prevent Grim Rail Depot from giving you motion sickness. No word yet on them fixing Iron Docks to not be horrible. Uh, as far as I know, it's still going to be bad <laughs> because it's just bad and no one should ever I, want to go there. Iron but, dogs aren't that bad if you do the iron stars correctly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, sure. Sure. Iron dogs aren't that bad. Uh, I'm rolling my eyes so hard. I've just given myself a sprain. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but still that's, that's pretty cool. We're getting the new affix, which is the reclaimed affix that's coming in season uh, four as well. I, I, I'm really happy about this, even though I probably won't do too much of it for the same reason that I'm happy about the new rating season. Uh, did we, we, did we talk about the, the new rating stuff from nine two five? We last did. Week? We did a couple of weeks ago, actually, when they first announced it. Yeah. So I won't, I won't belabor that, but that's basically, you'll be able to run uh, a, a castle Nathria and the, um, I never know what to call it. Sanctum. Sanctum of Domination. Sanctum of Domination. Yeah, I don't know why I can always. I always. I always want to call it Sepulchre of Damnation and Sanctum of the first ones. Uh, this is just like when when I had a, the same problem in Legion. <laughs> yeah, tomb, I, tomb of 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 what is it? Tomb of Sargeras or is it Temple of Sargeras? I don't know. But yeah, they're 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 adding in. Well, actually, I'm just saying, Liz, you talk about this because I remember you talked to me about it before. They're they're adding like mythic style affixes to yeah. dark, to raids. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting because they're uh, they're going to up the raid gear. They're going to up the eye level to be on par with more modern stuff. And, you know, it just gives you a reason to go back and revisit these things, which I think is really interesting because as the raid tiers progress, you know, you like do this one for a while and then you never, ever go back because there's no point to going back. Mm-hmm. Why would you go back? Because it's, it's too challenging to do on your own or in a small group, but... Like, if you wanted to farm transmog, you have to wait until next expansion, at least. And if you just want gear, this is the worst way to get gear, because it's kind of difficult still. You need a group, and uh, you can get better gear in a bunch of other places. By this point, you wouldn't want to go back to Castle Lathria, because there's so much, yeah, so much better gear. Better. Yeah, yeah, yeah ketchup <laughs> gear is way better. I'm sorry. So, For whatever reason, you said ketchup gear. My brain immediately went to that really cheesy joke about the tomato and ketchup. I'm sorry. It's been <laughs> it, my my head is weird. It's like gear covered in ketchup now. I mean, <laughs> well, so I, I just mean, imagine ketchup gear is like a new version of the clown suit. <laughs> I, you know what? Let's go. I'm down for it. Let's. I'm here for it. <laughs> oh, Does- sorry. But anyway, it's just interesting to have a reason to go back to these things and to revisit things that otherwise we would just abandon. You would not go back for like two expansions, maybe three expansions when it's just really easy to run and I'm going to finish out that transmog set. Uh, so I think I think this is a really interesting way to kill time at the end of an expansion. Like, um, what if Mists of Pandaria constantly gets a bad rap because it had such a huge gap at the end of the expansion and we were just so much time that we were sitting around doing nothing. What, you didn't like your, you know, 14 months in Siege of Orgrimmar? Uh, no. No, I did not. Not particularly, no. <laughs> but, I mean, the thing is, what if they'd done this in Mists? What if they'd done something like this in oh, Mist? Oh, yeah, where, no, it's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, you had some kind of interesting reason to go back and revisit all these old things. And it's like, 
it's been, by the time you're in the last rate of the tier, it's been long enough since you were in the first rate of the tier that it's like, oh yeah, this is kind of interesting, kind of different. So I think this is a great end of expansion idea. I think it's going to be really fun. I don't know if I ever want to go and kill Sludge Fist again, but... Uh, I was just thinking, if like, it's for the guilds that couldn't kill Sludge Fist before or had hard times with it, like the guild I was in. Um, <laughs> you can go back and just, like, you know, try to put the, the spikes to... Uh, don't like that but it's guy. like the i don't know depending on depending on what the affix is depending on what it's like i mean it may not be easy to kill sludge fist now i mean it no, may still no. not be easy so but i'm i'm really curious i'm curious as to what the affix is going to be like i'm curious as to how difficult it's going to be but i'm i'm interested in trying i'd like to see what i'd like to see what blizzard has cooked up for this and it's just it's a great end of expansion thing i think this is a really really smart idea to give us things to do and reasons to do them I would actually love it if in the future uh, they do this in every expansion. Yes. Yeah. And if yeah. they even think about possibly bringing up raids from other expansions at the end of an expansion, that might be kind of cool. Like if, if the, imagine if at the end of this one, they brought Nihilotha back, like for, especially since in some cases people start playing with new expansions who haven't seen previous expansions. Yeah. So they wouldn't know Nihilotha and suddenly it's, you know, you can get gear from that. That's as good as anything else. And, you know, I, that'd be kind of neat. So, yeah, I hope this is definitely something that they keep doing. But uh, I was going to say, and just that'll as, probably God, that will probably depend on how players react to it. If players yeah. really love it, then it's more likely we'll do it again. If players completely hate it, it's more likely that we won't. So, yeah, I'm hopeful that this all works out and it's really fun. I'm uh, Joe. You were saying I'm really hoping that it, it people take to it because I mean. Liz and I are now in a guild where we have a nasty tendency of making our own hard modes. And instead of having to make our own hard modes, now we have this. I mean. Oh, yeah. You're you're totally going to stop making your own hard modes because of this. Listen, killing Crossus and Alarial at the same time in the same room was just for funsies, okay? <laughs> uh, but no, we probably will, actually, <laughs> if there's a legitimate yeah, this, one. You're, you're in the guild that used to deliberately fight uh, the, the sh- Dark Shaman on the roof, aren't you? Uh, the Dark Shaman on the roof of uh, of Orgrimmar, yeah. Uh, to be fair, uh, I believe that they have made it increasingly difficult to do very harebrained things like that, and I, I wonder why. Just going to throw <laughs> that out there. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> But yeah, uh, one last thing I'm going to bring up, although this is not Tavern Watch, uh, we didn't find out about this until today, so we couldn't mention it on Tavern Watch, which annoys me because we did a Tavern Watch this month and we I would have totally brought this up. But uh, the same people, DemiPlane, the people who are doing a Pathfinder Nexus and uh, the World of Darkness Nexuses, basically their own versions of D&D Beyond for other games, has a Nexus for the Marvel Multiverse role-playing game, which isn't even out yet. Uh, but you can now preview it on their site. And uh, it was designed by Matt Forbeck. And Matt Forbeck is also a designer. He's been, he's been designing for years. He's done a lot of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. He was a designer on a game called Del- uh, Delta Green. Not Delta Green, sorry. Uh, Brave New World. Sorry, mm-hmm. Delta Green is also good, but that's Dennis Detweiler, and it's completely different. Uh, Brave New World was kind of like a superhero game, but in the vein of, of like Watchmen or uh, you know that that style of slightly paranoid 90s gaming. And it was really well done. It's one of my favorites. Uh, if Matt Forbeck ever hears me speaking, hear me now. Amazing job on that game. And he's designing this. Uh, it's very different because it's designed to work as a Marvel game. And as a Marvel game that like lets you play in various styles. Like you can play in the comic book style. Or you can play in the, the various Marvel animated series type styles. Or you can play in a more MCU type game. Uh, so that kind of stuff is in there too. 
And the playtest the playtest rulebook is up right now, uh, so you can actually go and look at it and check it out. I know this has nothing to do with what we were just talking about, but like I said, we didn't get we didn't get this news when we were doing Tavern Watch, and I think this is great. Uh, not not just because I like superhero role playing games, and I absolutely do, I love them, uh, but because I like the idea that more and more games are making having some kind of toolkit so much yeah. a part of their game that it's there when they launch. It's accessibility, right? That's it's, yeah, that's absolutely. what it, that's what it boils down to. Uh, we saw that with Avatar, where they made that part of their Kickstarter uh, that they're going to have uh, a, like you know a digital tool set when they go, mm-hmm. uh, and we're seeing it with this. I, I really. This is, to me, a really good sign for accessibility in the hobby. And the hobby needs accessibility. Yeah. It, needs, it needs a lot less gatekeeping, but that's a separate issue. But it definitely needs accessibility tools. Because let's be real. Role-playing games, ton of math. A lot of math. It, it's, they're very math-heavy. Um, I used to go around telling people I didn't know math. I wasn't good at math. I didn't do a lot of math. And then I would go oh. home, and I would create like 30 D&D characters. Hey, uh, let's see if this resonates with anybody. No, I not. I don't want to be good at math. I hate math. I'm going to go play D&D instead. Yeah. That was me. Much. <laughs> you find yourself like my, my wife. Like at one point, I remember my wife and I were in a, in a drugstore for no particular reason, but the cashier did something wrong, and I immediately corrected her math. And she was like, wow, you must be some kind of math guy. And I was like, no. I, I like... It's like that Buffy thing. You don't play as much Dungeons and Dragons as I am without learning a little something about courage, except replace the word with courage with math, because you can't, <laughs> you can't play D and D without learning math. Cause it's just, you're doing math all the time. Um, so yeah, I think this is great. Uh, I know Liz is, is pro digital tool set. So, but you know, if you've got anything to throw in here, please do. Uh, no, I just agree with y'all. I think this is great. It makes the hobby more accessible. It makes it, just easier for more people to get into it because it can be intimidating when you look at those character sheets and it's like numbers, 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 numbers. And of course, some, some character, some games have really, really excessively complicated character sheets. Like I always remember when I've played Call of Cthulhu, it's like you need to sit there with like a mountain of dice and a calculator. It's just, it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Like rule book over here, dice in front of you, calculator to your right, and some scratch paper so you can take notes while you're doing all of this. Dungeons and Dragons is the reason I know what a Pythagorean solid is. <laughs> so yeah, anything to make this easier to just jump in and get started and just play the game, that's a good thing. And it's actually, it's the same with video games. I mean, there's there's a crossover here. Any way you can make the game more accessible, easier for players to get started playing is a good thing, a good thing for the health of the game, a good thing for the health of the community. And like Blizzard tends to say, easy to learn, difficult to master. So you want to make it easy to get started, but have enough intricacy and depth that you can keep going and you can learn more mm-hmm. and you can get better at playing. But you can get into it easily. So accessibility, great. Great for games of all kinds. Tabletop, video games, any kind of game. Any kind of, really any kind of hobby. You make it accessible to people, you're going to get more people. You're going to get a bigger, more invested community. And that just that just keeps things fresh. Keeps the game community healthy. And, and yeah. 
And that's regardless of what the game is, whether it's tabletop role playing or MMOs or uh, anything like that. Like I th- this is not to like take it completely back to this, but that's I think why Elden Ring is so popular is because it's the most successful from software game that they've had. It actually does have an easy mode. Uh, like it, it, it's weird to some folks out there, but like making games more accessible, get this. It's good for your things you love because it means more people play it, which means there's going to be more products for things you love. It, it It's wild, isn't it? Like <laughs> yeah, it's always it's, good. People keep forgetting that it, it's very easy for these things to sink. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of time invested in them. I think at this point, uh, we've we've done fair a fair roundup. I mean, we could probably do a few more things, but I'm going to move on because I want to do some of these emails we got because you guys did email and you did hit up our Discord, and I want to reward that by actually talking about your questions. Uh, as is usually the case, I'm going to do the spiel now. Deep breath. If you've got a question for here, the podcast, uh, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch so we know it's for this show. Uh, or you can do that thing you guys are doing lately where you say, I don't know what podcast this is for. You guys decide. And then I just, it just comes down to which one of us sees it first, basically. It's it's like throwing meat at dogs and seeing which one comes up with it. Usually Joe, because he has the advantage of doing a show on Sunday. I'm low to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> He's also odd job and golden eye. Um, my God, odd job and GoldenEye. What a terrible, terrible thing that was. Did you ever play GoldenEye, Joe? Why do, why do I have to throw hats at people? Yeah. <laughs> odd job and GoldenEye was shorter than everybody else, so he's very hard to shoot. Anyway, uh, this has nothing to do with anything. Uh, if you don't like to send in emails, uh, you can you can go to our Discord server. We've got the Patron Q and Podcast Questions channel. Uh, that's for patrons because, you know, we do like to take patron questions uh, that they, they pay the bills. Uh, and we like to reward that. But if you, you know, you can't afford to be a patron. I understand that. As Joe likes to say, times are tough. And believe me, this week I've seen that. Uh, so you can go to our just, you know, Q and podcast questions channel. And you can ask questions there. Well, we, we'd look there as well. Um, we've done this in various ways in the past. But this week, I'm just going to read the first questions because it, it gets it out of the way. And then we can go me, Liz, Joe, Liz, Joe. So, okay. Hello, watchers. Not sure when which podcast this is for. Most likely depends on the answer. Uh, I started WoW and Cataclysm and didn't spend much time in Black Temple before playing BC Classic. I looked it up last week and noticed the moon and of, is Azeroth in Illidan's room. Is there a lore reason or is that just an interesting set piece? Uh, Flobio, Balanced Druid, Proudmore. I hope your name is actually pronounced Flobio. That's, that's what I got there. So guys... Do you know the lore reason? I know Joe probably should. I'm I'm not a lore person. I just I go in, I look at the sky, I think, wow, that's really dramatic. This okay, is explained I mean- in the Illidan novel, but if Matt, if you want to give the TLDR, feel free. No, no, you're doing it. I read the question. No, that's not how this works. I don't want to do the TLDR. We're in a deadlock. No, all right. <laughs> Basically, Illidan in the book, since Joe doesn't want to, um, Illidan in the book. Hold on, I'll do it in a squeaky voice because Joe doesn't want to. Illidan in the book. No, I won't do that. I, I've had a really rough week. I'm sorry. Uh, Illidan in the book is basically using a device. Uh, I forget. It's it's called a key. I forget the, the something key that he stole to to affect the uh, Legion portal network. He's literally using it to spy on Azeroth. Yep. Like he, that is Azeroth. He's looking through a portal at it. So when There's- he stops doing that, it goes away. Yeah, there's also some some context there of Black Temple uh, twisting itself to 
the the not the desires but like the the denizens like fears and like personality a bit and so like their fixations become a thing because when you go in there and you see what black temples become it is very much each wing of it is very much what the residents of that wing are right like it, it it's very indicative of that and he was always fixated on Azeroth in some capacity, uh, the denizens therein, as well as his, you know, beloved Tyrande, who has been stolen from me by Malfury and my brother. How dare he? Uh, yeah. Stuff like that, you know, the usual. Reasons. I like how I, I'm hoping someday he gets to come back and meet Jacked uh, Tyrande, who will then, you know, pound him into the ground. You know uh, what? The, you know what the the funny thing is, though. Sorry, not to run him aside, but like I think at this point, <laughs> Tyrande will just look at him and go, "I get it," and then they'd like go down for a pint. <laughs> It sucks to be obsessed. Okay, but yeah, that's that's the basic lore reason right there. That that's out of the, that's out of the way. We got it dealt with, and uh, now Liz, next one's you. Okay, hi watchers. While pondering the possibility of cross faction play and other optional new modes, a troubling thought came to mind. Do you think Blizzard will force us to use the cross faction tool at least once? I do not mean for possible achievements and loot specifics to such an endeavor. But, like, as part of a quest line to advance story, that just sounds like a bad idea to me. Sort of like forcing two rival teams into one. Thanks. Easy target. Are you pondering what I'm pondering, Pinky? I, I don't think that's really part of the question. But, how you know, would I mine for fish? So, uh, <laughs> how, do I, how do I jump forward? <laughs> why, why, why does... I don't understand why skinning a bear angers all the other bears in the area of brain. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to say up front that the way that this feature is designed to work is it's with your real ID friends. It's not just yeah. you and any, any horde people who happen to be around. You have to know them. So I don't, I don't know if they'll force us to use it. I, I don't think so. Um, There's no way they force us to do this. Yeah. I feel, I feel pretty confident that they aren't going to force us to do this. They've, they've talked up pretty seriously about this being optional, about this being no. an opt-in, about you having to choose to do it. So no. I don't think they're going to push us. There is another option that isn't forcing us to use the tool, but to soften the, the idea to players is they might have a scenario where you have to work with the other faction, not necessarily cross-faction actual play, but maybe there's something that informs it via story, via questing or something like that, that Maybe your character has to work in some capacity with it. I don't know. Again, I don't think it would be a good idea, but I could see something like that versus the actual use of the tool. And we've seen from like Exiles, uh, I think it's Exiles Reach, the new starting zone. I can't remember. It's been yeah, longer. it's Exiles yeah. Reach. Uh, where you finish it by doing a dungeon or the Mage Tower where you get a party. Like you are doing things that there are NPCs that fill gaps. They might try something like that as an optional introduction or something like that as well. That doesn't actually force you to do it with real players. Who yeah, knows? Exiles, Exiles Reach, technically, you're not in a real dungeon. You're not. Like It, it's it a sets it up like a dungeon, dungeon, but it's it's just you and a bunch of NPCs you know, who, who take on the roles of tanks. And same, with and the, same with the Mage Tower if you're a healer, yeah. right? Yeah. Although oh. in the Mage Tower, if you're a healer, I, I pity you deeply. My as word. As well, you should because yes, it's not. It's not pretty. I'm it's looking like, at you, the- Granny. Come on, you're a better <laughs> shot than that, Granny. You know how to not stand in bad, Granny. What's the? Uh, I forget what they call it, but the thing you do where you go in and like train that they introduced in Pandaria montages. Oh wait, no, those are no. movies. Sorry. Yeah. 
You know what I'm talking about, though. That that's funny. I, I would have laughed, but I'm I'm stuck on this thing that I can't remember the name of. But like, you remember, like you'd go do it to get a like challenge trial or something. Challenge? Or, no. You you go to the temple of the white tiger I, and you'd proving grounds. Proving grounds. Thank yes. you. Like if you did the healing proving ground, like when you're trying to heal these people. Thank you, like Molly Razor in chat. Yeah, the the tank has no concept of what threat is. Mm-hmm. And the DPS like are magnetically attracted to things on the ground that will kill them, mm-hmm. making it a pretty good simulation of an actual the a party. I'm not saying it isn't, but my word, if if that was bad, the the mage temp mage tower as a as a healer is just it's granny. No, I'm not joking. Like I, my my IRA granny is because she's always the one that dies because she doesn't understand how to not stand in bed. Like, come on, grandma. It's, yeah, it's this is. In the healing challenges, all sorts of them, including like getting healing artifact weapons. They're making you heal an NPC party. These NPCs are the worst players <laughs> ever. The worst. You know, like in the. Do you even mage, have cooldowns? The healing mage tower challenge. You have like a dual wielding warrior trying As your to tank. tank. <laughs> yeah, that's your yeah, tank. To be fair, I've, I've had that guy in groups. <laughs> One time I was that guy. I'm sorry. Uh, but, but yeah, like in modern dungeons in legion you know it's hard to pull threat i mean you really have to work at it to pull threat or your tank really has to work at it to not hold threat just kind of this just kind of the nature of the game these days it's it's a challenge to pull threat like back mm-hmm. in vanilla back in burning crusade it was easy you really had to think about it and oh try not to pull threat i remember the uh and, and we're getting off track, so we'll try and come back in a second. But at the end of Wrath of the Lich King, just before they made the change to get rid of armor pen, all melee and physical DPS had armor pen up, yep. up the butt. They had yep. tons of it. And as a tank, I had to start stacking armor pen because I was just not able to keep ahead of a rogue who had like a like close... At one point, one of our rogues got above 100% armor penetration, and that did really weird things to your damage. They had to they had to hot fix this because when he hit 110% armor penetration, it gave the things he was hitting negative armor. They started they would take more damage from everything, like huge astronomical numbers of damage. Uh, do, do you remember? Uh, I can't remember his name, but he's a future armor reference. The professor Farnsworth. Yeah, but in the game, he's called Putricide. Professor Putricide. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's their version of Farnsworth. Yeah, we he pulled. Putricide off of me and killed him before we could kill him. Like that's how much damage he was doing. It was physically impossible to hold threat off of him until they hot fixed it. It was crazy. So yeah, um, they they've changed it a, a great deal since then. No more of that waiting for Sunders stuff. Sunders aren't even in the game anymore uh, because of that. So yeah. Uh, in terms of this though, I don't. I think we the consensus here is they're not going to force people to do this. No, they're not going to. There's, there's going to be no forcing of people to use the tool. I will be very surprised. So uh, that means. Like, sorry, go ahead, Liz. Like, like y'all have said, I think it's quite probable that we'll have more scenarios that show us working with the other faction. But that's not unusual. Like even in the Maw introduction in Shadowlands, it doesn't matter what faction you are. You're working with Thrall. You're working mm-hmm. with Jaina. You do that introductory scenario with play- with characters from both factions. So I don't think it would be weird to have an expansion where a lot of the NPCs are of both factions and we're working together. And I mean, in fact, Legion was one of those expansions because you weren't doing uh, different factions. There was yeah. no... 
faction war was not a focus. You were doing this as your class. So I was a paladin in the paladin class hall doing paladin-y stuff. And, and that was kind of nice because I just, I just don't enjoy this fighting with everyone. Let's just be friends. We but, got other stuff to worry about. Let's not you and us fight. Let's us all get together and fight that guy. That guy looks like a real jerk. The message of Warcraft. We can be friends. We just have to hate that guy. I mean, but, um, it works. Yeah. But I, I'm going to say, too, that the other thing is, like, as you guys just pointed out, the Legion opens with a gigantic scenario where, meanwhile, on literally the other side of a trench, there's another scenario group full of Horde. Yeah. Doing the same thing. Like, I, I remember running up the hill and seeing Horde players going up the hill on the other side. So, yeah, it, it, it's there's been things like it before, but I don't think this is going to be a forced deal. You have to group with people you don't know. That's yeah. just not how I think. It. But, okay, uh, that means, who read this one? That was I Liz, did. So okay, it's my turn. It's your turn. Go. Uh, this one comes from KTS Stories. I saw someone on Twitter say, Shadowlands is the first expansion where we've left things better than we found them. Do you think that's true, Watchers? Um not the first technically legion so i would argue mr pandaria mr pandaria we did not leave it better than it yes, was yes we did because we killed the shah up we until that also, point pandaria was stuck we also blew its, up the veil <laughs> yeah all that stuff happened yeah. but let's let me look at it this way pandaria was stuck in an eternal stasis where people had to control their emotions constantly or monsters would come up out of the ground and destroy them okay so- and they couldn't contact the outside world or ever grow or change that's what we changed Uh, now was it hard did it leave things damaged was there destruction yes but we did leave it better than we found it because we changed we basically broke them out of that cycle that they'd been trapped in since the original legion invasion so i i do think we left the world of pandaria in a better place than we found it for one thing if we hadn't been there the mogu or the mantid would absolutely have taken the pandaran out because they were both attacking at the same time. And they were going to be attacking even if we weren't there. So I do think we did actually help. I just think that, you know, you're right in that it didn't look great. But I, from a, I think from a pure standpoint of, like, not even with a whole bunch of damage, I do think that Legion, we left things better than we found them ultimately at the end of it. And yes, there was a little bit of that same heartache, but I think Shadowlands is also in that same vein. There are very few of the expansions where we can honestly say that. I will say, too, that Legion, there was a ton of destruction. We just didn't directly cause it. Correct. <laughs> in, we in, didn't. In Miss of Pandoria, that is absolutely on us. 100%. Oopsie. I hope you didn't really like that gigantic jade dragon statue. The one that was housing Sorry. all the Shaw that we released and had to take care of in the first. Yeah, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'll give you that. But I, I do, I do think it's not like cataclysm where it's basically just the entire expansion is us going, ah, yeah. I mean, I just feel like with Miss particularly. Okay. Yeah. I see. I see where you're coming from with, we left the place better than we found it. We helped a lot of people, but we also wrecked a lot of stuff. And then just said, okay, we fixed this job done. Bye. And uh, the the Veil of Eternal Blossoms is still like a crater. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, But it's like, you know, firefighter smashes in your front door to pull you out of a burning building. You're still grateful that they pulled you out of the burning building. And they did leave you better than they found you because they, you know, found you in a burning building. (laughs) But they smashed in all your stuff to get you out and they drenched everything in water. It's all ruined. 
so yeah, I get where you're both going, and I'll, I'll definitely concede that the the cure to Pandaria's ills was nasty. It's like when you're sick and they like, okay, you have to drink this, and it's like this tastes like sewage. What are you doing? Gotta take it. I'm. So, I know it's bad. Just just do it. Get it down. That's what that was like. Yeah, yeah it just it. It didn't feel good in a lot of ways no, because no. Yeah. it's like I totally agree with you. We to solve the problem, we took a sledgehammer to parts of Pandaria, and it's we never. And, no, and also, we, to be fair, also some of that problem was actually us. We brought that problem too. Yeah. We brought that. So, we yeah. brought that. We brought that problem there. We freed the Shah. We woke up the the uh, the bug folks. Like we did a. We caused a lot of problems. I Shadowlands we fixed a lot of things and I think this is interesting that just to to bring it back to the current expansion, this is the first expansion I can really think of where we didn't cause the major problems. They were already there, right? Like it was already decaying. The system was already out of whack. These, uh, these lands were already in the anima drought. There was already shenanigans afoot. Uh, Things were going sideways. We might have tipped it accidentally with the death of Argus, uh, but we didn't directly cause the anima drought. We didn't do any of that. And we didn't cause like this weird, the weird dog- dogmatic uh, relationship that the Kyrians had going on. And when I'm looking back at all the covenants and I'm looking back at the shadowlands at this point, yeah, we, we absolutely fixed problems instead of just causing them beating the big bad and then leaving the, which I think is also interesting because like Liz pointed out, that's generally what we do, right? Yeah. And then now we fix all the problems up front and then went and go beat the big bad. Like all the covenants are better. The everything's back in place. We literally installed a new arbiter. We did things. We fixed the system. And now we're moving. Like if we move on, I think we're okay. So that's my two cents. Sorry. Like we're leaving the place unequivocally better than we found it. Whereas like leaving Pandari, it's like, okay, we fixed a bunch of things, but uh, also you kind of need to rebuild your house over there because. Sorry, we're going now. By the way, you like so, you, 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 you like that Pandaren? It's dead now. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> that farmer. Yeah, he just had to go. Whoopsie. Yeah, so it like it feels good to go someplace and not just okay. We fix some things, but it's like everything is better now. You, we're not the, leaving the point, any craters. The point being is that in the past, the adventurers of Azeroth definitely have a sort of, you know, bust in the door. We're here! Smash it with axes! <laughs> okay, we're leaving. <laughs> There's a certain amount of that to, to previous interaction, what we're saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think we're, is, go ahead. we're really good at smashing things. I mean, yeah. in our defense, we're just... <laughs> This is our skill set. Smashing things is our skill set. It's like if the entire Avengers was just the Hulk. (laughs) (laughs) Thor Hulk. Captain Hulk. (laughs) Hawk Hulk. The Black Hawk. Black Hulk. Just all Hulks. Hulks all the way down. Uh, But yeah, I think that means it's it's Liz now? Yeah, it's Liz. Um, Liz, it's your go. Okay. Frozen Ones. So what's the best tabletop RPG if you wanted to run a Warcraft campaign? I have absolutely no opinions on this. I don't play a broad number of tabletop RPGs. I know D&D really well, and I know very little about other ones. So, yeah, if I were going to answer, I would say a D&D framework, because that's what I know. And uh, But I don't know if that's the best one. I mean, it seems like it sort of depends on what kind of game you want to run, too. Like, D&D has a big combat focus. 
And you look at a system like Powered by the Apocalypse, which is a little more narrative focused and a little looser on like the math and the numbers. Um, I'm just going to have to throw it out to y'all. What do y'all think? Y'all are much more familiar with the broader world of TTRPGs. Uh, I'll go because I'm sure Matt has opinions. I think it it does largely depend on what you want to run. If you want to run a largely combat-focused game, I think something like 5th Edition is perfectly fine for that uh, because it is built around, ultimately, combat in mind. It has all the rules in there for spellcasting, melee, ranged, everything, and it is based off of grid-style combat, which is very similar to how you would kind of think about combat in... Uh, World of Warcraft. If you want something that's more story-driven, then I think Powered by the Apocalypse actually fits really well here. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a, uh, like a big shill for it. I am. Uh, but it's when you want to talk about pure story and role-playing and having something where players have like control and investment in it, and you want to run something that's similar to the Warcraft books, something that has those types of events that aren't these massive battles then something like that where it encourages the role playing, encourages the interaction. And when you do have stuff, the, the combat tends to be more narrative driven or narrative inspired. I would go with that. Uh, there's a ton of options out there. If you wanted to run something that was more old Gotti and wanted to, to go into the, the cosmic horrors of our own mindset, Cthulhu exists for the, the call of Cthulhu exists for a reason. Uh, it is a horror system that has sanity and has uh, the, the new version is, pretty good for stuff like that and you literally just slap a, a warcraft coat of paint on it and you're good to go so there it like liz said it ultimately boils down to what type of warcraft tabletop rpg experience do you want to have so those are my three choices of the three major ones that can come to mind so now i'll shut up and let matt talk well i mean i, th- I think i will echo both of you in that D would work fine uh if there's a lot of reasons why D is actually a really good choice first up uh, it's got a big player base, so you it will not be hard to find people who know D&D to play with you um, or to help you do it at to adapt stuff if you need to do so. Um, there's there's room in D&D for just about all the cruft of Warcraft. It really depends on what kind of war. Like if you are you trying to emulate the video games? Because if you if that's the case, there's a game called Light that has a rule system, the Lumen Engine. Uh, Lumen Engine is built to simulate video games mm-hmm. and if you want a video game like ttrpg experience i really heavily recommend the lumen system it's it's really good i'll echo uh, that it's it's similar to powered by the apocalypse but it's more focused on doing stuff to feel like you are in a video game uh fast paced a lot of action and specific moves and combos so it would work really well for a World of Warcraft adaptation if you're actually trying to make your game feel like playing World of Warcraft. But at the same time, it doesn't. It's not a ton of rules. Uh, if anything, World of Warcraft if you, is too complicated for a tabletop game. There's just too many buttons. There's to too hit. many, it's too just, many moving parts. Yeah, but Lumen would be a, a good idea for that. Um, if you wanted to get more of the concept of playing a hero with very defined abilities and so forth, the Cipher system isn't bad. Um, the cipher system actually has a lot to offer you in terms of being similar to uh, a Warcrafty experience, and I, I would say give that a look. Uh, the cipher system rulebook has been revised a couple of times now. 
it's it's really not a bad go. Um, but I would also say um, one one game that I, I haven't heard people mention a ton in these kind of discussions in terms of like how to do a a Warcrafty style RPG. Um, it, it's actually I'm I'm just gonna bite the bullet here. Uh, um, Mutants and Masterminds because Warcraft characters aren't just you know a D and D fighter is like a Warcraft warrior, but a Warcraft warrior is like starts as a 20th level D and D fighter. Like you, you get crazy powerful, very fast in Warcraft compared to D and D like, and games like uh, mutants mastermind or exalted as another possibility, uh, or the Trinity systems aberrant, which is basically just, you know, the same game system with a slightly different coat of paint on it can emulate that ridiculous power level. Like think about when you're you're playing your your max level Warcraft character and you go to Black Temple and just destroy the place because you're transmog farming. If you want that feel to your D- your D and D game, if you want to do a Warcraft game where you honestly go looking for ancient treasure just because it's pretty, you could absolutely do it with like a, a superhero game like Mutants and Masterminds or or a game like Exalted, which is basically high anime. Uh, or you know, I I don't mention the game because I hear bad things about the publisher. But there are several other games of the type that are basically just anime adaptations that mm-hmm. could work really well. Because Warcraft has a pretty heavy anime influence. Um, so, yeah. Look at um, you, Record of Lotus War, which was actually the retelling of a uh, D&D campaign. Yeah. I mean, and that's, there's still like, you know, Goblin Knight and so forth. There's, there's a, quite a few of them. Uh, and I think that that could be something cool to, to look into. It depends on which system you like. And there's a lot of them. And I... I hesitate to bring up any particular one. Um, You're spoiled for choice, really. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sitting here looking at Earth Dawn thinking, wow, Earth Dawn could work. And and if you're not, if you don't know Earth Dawn, then you're like, what's he talking about? If you do know Earth Dawn, you're like, oh my God, Matt, do you hate people? But yeah, Earth Dawn, Earth Dawn could work. It, there's, there's a lot. It, it ultimately, it boils down to if you have a tabletop preference, whatever game you know the best you can make work as that. So yeah, like D and D absolutely there's, there's D and D in Warcraft's DNA. It's flat out there mm-hmm. in much the same way that there's Warhammer. And, and in fact, the Warhammer fantasy role-playing game is actually really good. It is. It is surprisingly good. If you've never, if you've never played like Warhammer as a RPG, if you've only played the tabletop version of Warhammer, uh, you may not know this, but the 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 fantasy RPG Warhammer Fantasy RPG is a really good RPG. It's it's a different feel. I think it would be more along the lines of what Joe was talking about with Call of Cthulhu. Like if you wanted a Call of Cthulhu style game, but you wanted it to be a little less, you want you don't want the characters to die as fast. You want them to be destroyers, but at the same time, the, all the gods in Warhammer are crazy. Uh, <laughs> this reason Joe That's is the Warhammer lore guy. Yeah, Joe is the lore guy for Warhammer. You want to talk to him, but yeah. But there's others. I mean, the Witcher RPG is out there. That's really good. It's based on the fantasy age rule system that that Green Ronin is doing. The, They're also doing a Game of Thrones game. There's there's a lot of stuff out there. Mo- Modiphius has actually been spending a lot of time uh, converting traditional uh, stories uh, and books into tabletop with the 2D20 system. That's what mm-hmm. they do. They do Conan. They do Dune. Um, yeah. So like, there that system would work really well with it as well. Um, basically we could be doing this for another half an hour. Yeah. Easy. Like there's a ton there's, 
it, it does come down to what Joe said. It comes down to, do you know a game system? Uh, use it. You could use Pathfinder. You could use whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warcraft is basically a big... It's a multi like, of games. Yeah, D and D fourth edition would work super well. I for literally Warcraft. call that out in chat. Yeah, like D and D D and D fourth edition is MMO the game on paper. Like it is, it is built for it. It it thrives on it. So yeah, all right. Yeah, I think that pretty much answers it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's anything else to add there. So I mean, bunnies and burrows. I'm sorry, we didn't mention bunnies and burrows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we want to do one more, or do we want to call it there? I think we should probably. All right. That, then the, the last email is big and kind of a heavy subject. Fair enough. Uh, I, I put it there because I didn't want to. I didn't want to leave it out. But yeah, I think that we can push that forward to another one or something. Plus, Alrighty. you guys kind of talked about it during the pre-show, quite frankly. Oh, okay then. All right, well, then I'll, I'll do our thing, and then, uh, Matt, you can take us out. So Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast lighting community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Uh, thank you very much, Joe. Uh, I also want to thank uh, both Joe and Liz for being here again uh, and putting up with me being somewhat frantic today because it's been a heck of a week. Um, thank you guys both uh, for being here and for making the show better with your presence. It's teamwork. Teamwork. Yep. Uh, but this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. If you've got a question for the show or for any of our podcasts, you can email us at podcastofblizzardwatch.com and just put the podcast you're thinking for the show in your uh, su- you know your subject line, like say lore watch, you want a lore watch question, put lore watch in there, uh, or you can go to our podcast, uh, our Patreon Q- podcasting, uh, boo blah blah, our Q. I cannot say this. Patreon wow. Q and podcast. Thank you, Patreon Q and podcast questions channel. Uh, you can go there and leave questions for any of the shows we do, or you can go to our podcast questions channel, uh, Q and podcast questions channel. I'm sorry, uh, which for non patrons you can do that too. We really do appreciate it. You guys have been making it a lot easier for us to do the emails and do the shows. That's really great. And thank you so much for that. I, I really have been seeing an uptick and I really appreciate it. Like I said before, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here with us. And we'll be back next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.